My title is, How Jesus Teaches His Disciples, from Matthew 14. You know, the table of the Lord that we're going to remember today reminds you and me of the remarkable love that Jesus had, has for you, his disciples. He bought you with his precious blood, and as his disciples, he is always teaching you. He teaches you through providence, and by providence we mean the circumstances that he brings into our lives, the things that happen, the way things go. He teaches us. Real learning, however, involves instruction, and it involves hand-on learning. We might call practical application. Now, if you ever went to a surgeon, and the surgeon told you that he never really did any surgeries before, but he's read all the books about surgery, you probably would get out as fast as you got in because there's no application, there's no practical experience, knowledge. Well, Jesus always provides practical hands-on experience for his disciples to apply what they have learned from his teaching. However, this always seems to put his disciples into awkward situations. I suggest to you that he still does that today in your life and in mine. He teaches you and me through circumstances of life, which strengthens and grows our faith. And that's what we want as his disciples. So let's go on a visit here to the Sea of Galilee and observe Jesus teaching his disciples and see what we can learn about how he teaches us as his disciples today. The first thing I'd like you to notice is where Jesus teaches his disciples. This is found in verses 22 through 24, where he teaches his disciples. First, in, in verse 22, I suggest to you, there's three things here. First of all, I suggest as he leads them, that's how he teaches them. It's interesting, in the original language, it's where it says, he made the disciples go to the other side. It's a it's a word which has to do with a persuasiveness or forcefulness because they probably didn't want to go on their own. No doubt it might have been close to dusk. We don't know. But he was wanted them to go ahead over to the other side, and he would send the multitudes away. But you see this situation of the boat and the storm? It was Jesus himself who put his disciples in this situation. He did it, and he does it to you and me as well. He puts us in situations sometimes we can't understand what's going on, but he has a purpose. Why did Jesus do this? Because he wanted to teach his disciples. He wanted them to learn. Why does Jesus do that to you today? Because he wants you to learn and to follow him. But Jesus never seems to do this and lead his people in a way that's easy and comfortable. If you look at Joshua 3.15 on the insert that I have there, you'll see something very interesting about the red, about the sea that they were crossing. And um, Joshua 3.15 says, As those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priest who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water. And this phrase, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. Now, it's interesting because when does Jesus, the pre-incarnate Christ, lead his people across the Jordan River? When the sun's out, when there's a cool breeze, the water's still, everything's wonderful? No. Notice it says, 
for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the harvest, the whole time of harvest. It was the worst time of the year that you could ever want to get near the Jordan. There were branches and trees and all kinds of things coming down. The water was overflowing its banks. It was one of the worst times to do it. But doesn't things happen? Don't things happen to you that way as well? It seems like the worst time something could happen or the worst thing that could happen. But Jesus teaches us through these things. This is how he teaches you and how he teaches me. But secondly, not only as he leads them, but as he watches them. If you look at Mark 6, 48, you'll see what he, he, uh, what he says, says here that Mark's account of this. It says, and then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. Now, understand this, hours went by as Jesus was watching them. The fourth watch, he came to them, is between three o'clock and six o'clock in the morning. So Jesus was probably up there watching them three to five hours, rowing trying to get the water out of the boat, but he always has his eyes on his disciples. He watched them. He just watched them and was with them in a way they didn't know. Jesus does that, does that to us today. His eyes are always on us. We don't know why it was this way, but it's, it's true. The longer you wait for something from the Lord, it seems like grace is so much sweeter when it comes. Sometimes we wait and it's a very difficult thing for us. But notice as he watches them, he watches them always. He never is a time that his disciples are out of his sight and he doesn't know what they're doing. Thirdly, where he teaches disciples as he leads them, verse 22, as he watches them in verse 22 through 24, and also as he protects them. You notice it says he saw them and he came to them in Mark 6, 48. He saw them and he came to them. Now understand how they viewed the sea in those days. It was considered, the bottom of the sea was considered the abyss where Satan himself lived. And they were afraid of these kind of things like storms and what would happen to them if they fell overboard. Would they go there? Would they be confronted by the evil one? Jesus was teaching them something else about that as well. But that's how they looked at things back in those days. That's when Jesus said, if anyone offends a little one, be better off for him to have something tied and rope tied around his neck and a stone and thrown into the ocean. Jesus shows us his power as he directs all this and everything seems to be out of control, but it's not. It's like the night he was crucified. Everything seemed out of control. It wasn't. It was all under his control. Where Jesus teaches his disciples and how he leads us. I remember, I should say many, many times, um, you aren't aware of what he's doing until it actually happens, until it's over. When we went to Bulgaria back in 1993, it was our first trip after the Iron Curtain had fallen. And... Um, we got to know someone who lived in our town, came to our church for three years, who was seeking asylum in the United States. Well, through circumstances, 
It never worked out. They weren't going to give him an answer. So he went back to Bulgaria. But during the three years, he saved up all the money he could from working, working a job at a pillow factory. Uh, he had a, a real efficiency apartment, uh, just ate canned soup until we got to know him. And Bev would feed him better. But he did all this. And he said to me, look, I don't know. He said, I've extended my, my visa. So I don't know what's going to happen to me if I go back with this money. They may take it. So he says, why don't you come over to see me after I get back and I'll tell you how things will go. Well, when he got to the, when he got there to, uh, to go back into the country, they, he said there was no problem. They said, Hey, welcome back. Good to see you. No problem. Didn't check anything. But when we got there, it was very interesting. It was crowded. It was late. A flight. We missed a flight. The connections were terrible. And we came to go into customs and there was one side for the nationals and one side for visitors. And we were standing waiting in the side for visitors. And we saw the agent up front, how he was taking everything apart out of suitcases and checking everything. And I thought to myself, we're going to have problems here. <laughs> he talked about himself having problems. He, we're the ones that are going to have it. So the next person went up and he went through them as well. And then while we were standing there, the agent where the nationals come in, uh, yelled to us, come here, come here. So we went over and we went through customs without showing anything, just getting our passport stamped. And I didn't realize what went on until it was over. And I said to Bill, so what, what did just happen? I mean, I, and I was tired. Everything was late for everything. And that's what happened. You see, he does things when you don't expect him to. He, by his power, he changes things and he can do many things. And the Lord's Supper today reminds us of his power. And it reminds us that we are his disciples and he is teaching us. He's teaching you. And his table reminds you of his commitment to you, his disciples, how much he loved you. The second thing I'd like you to notice in verses 25 through 27 of Matthew 14, is when Jesus teaches his disciples. When Jesus teaches his disciples. Very interesting. Three things here I'd like you to notice. It was in his time, first of all, in his time. As I said, early in the morning, the fourth watch, the very scary time to be at sea in the midst of the storm, with all of that included, Normally, you're sleeping at this time, but Jesus' disciples are in probably the middle of the sea, and they're frightened, and they're afraid. But doesn't Jesus often astonish you and surprise you when he does certain things the way he does them? We never know what he's going to do. I read something interesting that said, people that have problems with depression or fear that really only about 5% of what really happens is what really happens. All the rest is just things they worried about and thought about. Jesus, everything's in his control, in his timing, when he did it, when he wanted to do it in his way. And that's what he does. It's not our way. It's not what we often want, but it's what he wants. In his time. Secondly, in his way, in verse 26. You see that, don't you? He comes walking to them. 
Jesus walked to the disciples and they were very much upset, very afraid. And actually the word trouble that's used there means troubled in soul and spirit. It's, it's a, a complete troubling. The whole body, mind, emotion, will troubled. And the word for ghost is where we get the English word phantom. Very interesting. They thought he was a phantom, thought he was a ghost. They saw him because that's what he was taught. They were taught. And the word cried out is an interesting word because it's a, a very powerful word. It's an onomatopoetic word, which means it makes the sound of the word when you say it. The cry of a raven is what it is, what the sound is, is crazo. And it's the sound that a raven would make. So they cried out. And it says that Jesus would have walked by them. He puts them in very scary situations, not to torment them, but to teach them that they can trust him. And I suggest to you that he does that to us as well. Puts us in situations that we don't know how things are going to work out, but he does. And then third, he does it in his power in verse 27. Jesus cries out to them, be a good cheer. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Be of good cheer means to have courage and confidence. And it's a command in the original language. And fear not, the same thing, the word phobia, where we get the word phobia from as well. And stop being afraid is what he is saying. And literally, stop being afraid, it is I. Now, it's very interesting when he says it is I. He uses the same construction in Greek that he does in John 8, 58 and 59. If you look at that insert, it says, before Abraham was, I am. And they took up stones to stone him. What was he saying? He was saying, I am the eternal God. I am continually in the past. And he said that to the disciples as well. Ego I me is a construction. I, I am he, the eternal God. Don't be afraid. It's my power that will protect you. As I said, it's his power and where he teaches them and where he teaches us can be some very unusual ways. I remember many years ago, probably about 30 some years ago, I was traveling north on uh, Route 83 from, from Harrisburg up into the Pocono Mountains. And um, I had a time frame and I had to be leaving at certain times and had to be at certain places in business. Well, wouldn't you know it, I got up there and I got a flat tire. And that just threw everything. I am not going to make this. I'm going to be late for this appointment. I'm going to have to change all these. Well, anyhow, I got out, took my coat off and got in and took care of the flat tire, changed it. But when I went up the road about a mile or a mile and a half, there was a terrible automobile accident. Many different, there was more than just one or two cars. It was a terrible accident. And I thought to myself, you know, if I wouldn't have had that flat tire, I probably would have been in that accident. And you see, that's how he works. When we complain, you know, Lord, don't, I, you know, no, I can't, I can't take that. That's when he does it. In his power, in his time. And the Lord's Supper reminds us as well. Lord's Supper reminds us of Jesus's power and what he did for you and for me as his disciples. He did it out of love. Being truly God and truly man, he could suffer 
and feel the torture and the torment of the cross. And yet being God, he could stay alive and receive the judgment and wrath of God because many people that were crucified died when they had the scourging, when the, the skin was torn off their back. But Jesus stayed alive until it was finished. He said, no one takes my life from me. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it up again. And when his suffering and the payment for the sins of his people was finished, he said, Father, it is finished. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Before Abraham was. The third and last thing I get to notice is what Jesus teaches his disciples here. What Jesus teaches his disciples in verses 28 through 33. The first thing I'd like you to look at is he teaches them about fear. Teaches them about fear. Do you see that in the noise and terror of the storm, the waves, the wind, everything, Jesus' voice is heard above everything. Isn't that interesting? If you've ever been in a really bad storm and you try to talk to someone, you almost got to yell because it's too, you can't hear it. Jesus' voice was clear. He said to them, I am he. They heard it, which is a miracle in itself. His voice is heard above it. Jesus invites his disciples to rise above the storm by his power. You don't need to fear the storms of your life. You really don't. Look at Psalm 27, 1 through 2 for a moment. Psalm 27, 1 through 2 says, The Lord is the light of my salvation. Who shall I fear? You, if this omnipotent, all-powerful God is in control of all things, in your life, he's directing everything. How can we fear? What, what, what should we fear? We shouldn't fear anything. And then Hebrews 13.5. You may know this one by, by memory. But I will never leave you nor forsake you. Isn't it interesting? Even in the darkest and most difficult places, you can hear his voice. In the hospital, in an accident, at home, something happens. You'll hear him. If you look at his word, if you remember his presence, Jesus teaches his disciples about fear. You're in the ocean. Now you'll notice that Jesus doesn't calm the storm before he gets to the boat or doesn't calm the boat or the, the storm and then go to the boat. He comes when the storm is really at its peak. He does that, doesn't he? You find him then find him in the difficult times. He teaches them about fear, but secondly, he teaches them about trust. You see, verse 29, Peter said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to walk in the water and go to you. So Peter's invited to walk in the water, and he does for a time. Jesus was saying to him, by my power and my presence, you can do this if you keep your eyes on me. At first, Peter did. He had his mind, heart, his eyes focused on the Lord. And then he took him off and he saw the wind and the storm and he begins to sink. That'll happen to us as well. When we're in storms, if we take our eyes off the Lord, it, it will be difficult. We will have 
problems, we will sink, as it were, into the water. Jesus had this power, and he has the power to do all things, and his presence to do this. It says in verse 30, when he saw, he turned his focus off the Lord and into the wind. He became focused upon looking around and the continual wind. It says in verse 30, Jesus says, it says, but the wind was boisterous and he cried out, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. He was afraid, became afraid. Whenever we take our eyes off the Lord, this is what happens, no matter what it is. And he cried out in verse 30, the same word that was used earlier, crazo, the onomatopoetic word. How encouraging should a passage like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 be to you and to me? Let's look at it for a moment. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord, and that's God's covenant name, Yahweh. Trust in Yahweh with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. You notice it's interesting that it says to trust in the Lord, but it adds with all your heart, because sometimes we trust, but it's not everything. We have a little bit of trust, but he says with all your heart. And where he says, and lean not on your own understanding, that's what we do. That's why it's in this verse, because that's what we wind up doing. We wind up trusting in our own understanding. So the writer of Proverbs is saying, don't trust in your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge it. Now, that's a tough thing to do. In every way, acknowledge that the Lord is there, that he's with you. And then it says, he shall direct your path about trust. Jesus teaches his disciples not only fear, but trust and what's involved in trust. And then thirdly, he teaches them about his authority. You see this in verse 32. When, he, when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat, who were on the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. The wind and the storm stopped after he and Peter got back into the boat. And I think he wanted his disciples to know that it was his power that brought the storm to an end. It wasn't that the storm was over. He brought it to an end. Very interesting looking at the, a, a passage here in John chapter 6, 19 through 21. Look at John chapter 6, verse 19 through 21 for a moment. So what it says there, it's very interesting what John's account adds. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus on the sea, drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. But he says to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at land where they were going. You see what he adds here? There's a miracle here. The boat that was in the middle of the sea, when he got on the boat, was at the land. He moved it. When he got on, boat, when he got on the boat, it was moved to the land. It wasn't there before. Another example of his power and what he could do and what he wanted them to do, to know. Very interesting, a miracle. Truly, you can trust the Lord and for anything you have to go to. 
anything you have to go through. This is how he teaches us through these things. It's very interesting about Jesus teaching his disciples. If you remember John's account in chapter 20 about Thomas, how Jesus appeared to the disciples before and Thomas wasn't there. And then when the disciples came and Thomas came there, they said, we've seen the Lord. And they, Thomas said, unless I put my finger in his nail marks and hands in there, I will not believe. Very interesting. Then later when the Lord appears, he says to Thomas, put your finger here and your hand here. And I think Thomas was really shocked because Jesus wasn't standing there physically when he said that to the disciples, that I have to put my finger in there. I have to put my, he wasn't there physically, but he was there and he heard every word that Thomas said. Interesting, isn't it? Jesus teaches his disciples and what Thomas learned was incredible. Isn't it interesting to notice how the disciples responded to all this? They worshiped him, it says in John or in Matthew 14, 33. All of this reinforced in their mind that he is truly the son of God. He has the power to do all of this. If he does, then he certainly has the power to work in all situations, to deliver the guide no matter what they might be or what you face. Do you see who this mighty God is and the power and the knowledge he has? I hope that you and I learn what the disciples learned here. He's always present with us, watching over us. What an incredible experience this was. But it's often, it's very tedious at times because the Lord seems to, to take you to the limit sometimes. I remember years ago when there was a terrible ice storm and um, Bev had some issues. We had to go down to the hospital. And we thought we'd take the back road because we thought it would be less traffic. But we took the back road and the roads were icy. And we started going down a hill and we had no brakes. It just went down. And to the left, there was a guy who had just cleaned off his brand new Mercedes-Benz car. And we were heading right in that direction. We were going, we both prayed out loud. We were crying to the Lord. I think we were that close. We got that close and we went by. Unbelievable, isn't it? What an incredible learning experience that was for us. A practical learning for his disciples. That's what you have here. You see, learning can take place anywhere. And what will happen at any time or any place in your life can happen when you least expect it. You least expect it. So in our daily lives, rather than complaining that our schedules have been messed up, we need to thank the Lord for what he's doing. And Lord, what do you want me to learn through all this? How are you going to use me? The Lord taught his disciples here at the sea, the situation he created. And he wanted them to learn. We come to the table of the Lord and he reminds us at his table, that he loves us, that he cares for us, that he died for us and rose again from the dead. And as you look back in your life, he has taught you. He's taught you a lot. Some you haven't, things you maybe had taken, had to happen a couple of times till you got it, maybe two, three, four times. But he teaches us and we're thankful for that. That Jesus is a God who loves his people and teaches them 
to the circumstances of life. Lord, bless your word to our hearts. We thank you for it. We pray, Lord, that you will help us to see and to learn what your disciples learned here at the sea. Lord, what a learning experience. What a learning class. What a seminary class it was for them. Teach us as well and help us to always remember that your word is true and what you say will be done according to your plan. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.